My name is Scott Nye, and this is Talking Radical Radio. Welcome to Talking Radical Radio, where we bring you grassroots voices from across Canada. We give you the chance to hear many different people that are facing many different struggles talk about what they're doing, how they're doing it, and why they're doing it, in the belief that such listening is a crucial step in strengthening all of our efforts to change the world. On this week's show, I will be speaking with Joel Pedno. Out of all of the jurisdictions north of the Rio Grande, the one in which the agenda to cut privatize, deregulate, individualize, and subordinate everything to the demands of private profit has made the least progress is Quebec. There are a number of reasons for this, but far from the least of these reasons is the willingness of the people of Quebec to resist this agenda. The 2012 strike by students in the province, which defeated a massive tuition increase and brought down a government, was inspirational not only to those in the rest of Canada seeking to put people before profits, but to people around the world. Yet this agenda, call it neoliberalism, call it austerity, call it capitalism shaking off restrictions placed upon it by earlier generations of struggle, is relentless. It was the Liberal Party that was brought down by the Quebec students, yet earlier in 2014 the Liberals returned to power, their allegiance to austerity unshaken. And Quebec continues to organize and to resist. There are numerous centers of activity within this resistance. There's a formation comprised of the largest labor bodies in the province and the more conservative student unions. There are other formations calling themselves Spring 2015 Committees, which are autonomous from formal organizations and which anticipate animating the most militant wing of the upcoming wave of action. And in between these two is another coalition, formally known in English as the Coalition Against User Fees and Privatization, but also called the Red Hand Coalition. It is comprised of a number of other trade unions, much of Quebec's active and politicized community sector, and ASSEI, the most radical and most active of the province's student federations. Joël Pedneau, who was an organizer with ASSEI during the student strike, now works for a popular education organization and in that capacity is part of the coalition. He speaks with me about the coalition's origins, about its involvement in various phases of anti-austerity struggle in Quebec, about the broader political context, and about what promises to be a busy, militant spring for social movements in the province. We spoke by Skype from Montreal. And please note that this interview was recorded before the most recent massive protest in the province. My name is Joël Pedneau. I work at an organization in Quebec called the Mouvement d'Education Populaire et d'Action Communautaire du Québec. So that means the Movement for Community Action and Popular Education. And it's a federation of groups that do popular education and mobilization throughout Quebec. So that's my job. Uh, otherwise, I have been a student activist during the 2012 student strike. I also worked at SA, the student union that was central in organizing that strike in 2012. So that's sort of where I'm coming from in terms of my knowledge of social movements in Quebec. As it turns out, both of those organizations, both SA and the one that I'm working for right now, the one that does popular education, are members of the Coalition Against User Fees and Privatization, which was founded in 2010. It's a coalition of unions, community groups like the one that I work for. In Quebec, when people talk about community groups, they often aren't referring to like NGOs in the same sense that might be more common in the rest of Canada. There's a more politicized sector of community groups in Quebec. So that's what I'm referring to. 
So, okay, it's a coalition of unions, community groups, and student unions as well. And it was created in 2010, back when the Liberals were in power. The Liberals are back in power right now after a brief PQ government in 2012, 2013. The basic idea is that the Liberals had cooked up a really terrible budget. They were going to introduce user fees in healthcare. You know, they were basically talking about like a revolution in user fees for people who use public services. So people are going to have to pay a lot more upfront just for accessing basic stuff like healthcare. And so this coalition was consolidated at that moment when they started talking about doing this stuff and, you know, it started organizing protests and it's been going on ever since. My first involvement with this coalition was actually back around the time it was founded in 2010. At that point in time, I was a student activist at the student union at McGill University and started going to meetings of the coalition because I sort of ended up as a member of the council of the student union, which is a decision-making body between the executive and the general assembly. I started going as a member of council in 2010 to the meetings of this coalition. So I'm not actually quite clear on how exactly it was founded. I think there was a call that was made, which was signed by some of the core organizations. It was in reaction to, as I was saying, like a really terrible government budget. But to speak more broadly about where this kind of coalition comes from, there had been similar coalitions in the past in like the 2000s or in the 1990s, coalitions that were unions and community groups and student unions. And they seem to sort of like fizzle out after a certain point in time. One can imagine that the Red Hand Coalition, the the one against user fees that exists right now, is sort of like a revival of networks that already existed. I guess the idea is people decided to formalize whatever networks already existed and to start, you know, meeting on a regular basis again. The most memorable thing that I can remember that people did in reaction to that budget was a very large, at least it felt like at the time, a very large demonstration. I think it was on April 1st, 2010. That demonstration was maybe 20,000 people. I'm not clear on the timeline, but the coalition's always been organizing smaller scale, but maybe a bit more confrontational actions. So, for example, I think it was in 2012, like before the strike started, the coalition organized a blockade of the stock exchange tower in Montreal. People divided up the different entrances to this tower and completely blocked it for a few hours. So that would have been the kind of action that people were organizing around the same time as the coalition was beginning. Plus there's a tradition of that kind of smaller scale, but a bit more, you could say, risky action in Quebec. Like community groups have been occupying government offices for as long as people can remember those community groups exist. There's the budget in 2010. There was a similar one that was presented in 2011. In 2010, they talked about a lot of stuff like healthcare and basically everything except for the education sector. And then the next year they talked about you know, this is exactly how much we're going to raise tuition by, that kind of stuff. So they they were talking more about what kind of neoliberal changes they were going to do in the education sector. As far as the coalition was concerned, between the big 2010 demonstration and the ones during the student strike, there was one very big one, which was co-organized with the major unions. And that's an interesting story in the sense that a lot of the major unions in Quebec aren't actually members of this coalition against user fees and privatization. And so a lot of what was going on between, you know, the beginnings of the coalition and the student strike in 2012 was that this sort of parallel, you could call it a coalition, but it was called the, the Social Alliance, l'Alliance Sociale, was forming parallel to the coalition and after the fact, after the coalition had been created. And this alliance was the major unions, 
the major student unions apart from SA. And so it, it was sort of like the massive federations of unions, which were creating this thing apart, while the more grassroots or smaller federations were in the coalition. And so I think what was going on between like 2010 and 2012 was that people were figuring out like the geopolitics of this kind of movement building. And the result of that was that there were like two parallel coalitions that were created, which worked together once on a very large demonstration, which was like March 2011. I think another result was that people realized the coalition wouldn't be able to get the large unions on board. In the context of the student strike in 2012, what was the role of the coalition in acting in solidarity or of doing other forms of mobilization? An interesting example of the role of the coalition in relation to the strike was the blockade of the stock exchange tower that I was mentioning earlier. That happened just a few, maybe weeks before the beginning of the strike. It was an interesting action, which was planned by the coalition, which was part of ramping up mobilization towards that strike. The way that I see the role that the coalition played in the lead up towards the strike, a lot of that was in 2011 as well. The role of the coalition in that was to set like a baseline of mobilization and to act a bit more quickly than student unions can and organize actions that turn up the temperature in preparation for really big mobilizations like the ones that student unions can organize in Quebec because of the strength of their movement. During the actual strike, a lot of the action of the coalition was getting people out to the demonstrations that were being organized either by student unions or completely autonomously, as was the case during the strike. A lot of the work of the coalition at that point or of its member organizations was just to get members out to these demonstrations, amplify the fight against tuition fees and eventually the special law. They started passing all these laws or like a special law, which was going to make it so that Groups of 50 people or more in a demonstration uh, context would be very restricted and would have to follow all these new rules. And, you know, at the same time, cities made their protest bylaws much harsher. So the role of the coalition throughout the strike was first to support some of the core demands and to get people out to demonstrations. So, you know, could have been like sending out press releases to say we support this demand for free education or for tuition freeze, you know, depending on the stance of the organization. And then eventually it became, you know, a broader anti-repressive struggle and a struggle to just have the ability to demonstrate when people feel the need. So, you know, broadly speaking, the coalition during that strike was playing a support role for a movement which was led by student unions. And connect that up to more recent times. Tell me about both the context and also the activities of the coalition between the end of the student strike and I guess up to the fall, where I understand there's been at least more visible outside of Quebec mobilization from the coalition. Just to go back to something that I was saying earlier about the government trying different ways of killing this movement in 2012. I think the one thing that actually ended up working was the fact that they called elections, right? They called elections towards the end of 2012. And that led to the election of the PQ government, which was in power for about a year and a half after that. And that was a period of pretty crushing demobilization for a lot of movements in Quebec for reasons which I think people are now taking a step back and looking at. In the student movement, people were so exhausted from having been on strike for a lot of time. People were catching up with classes, too. So after having fought the cops off and demonstrated maybe even every day for months, now had to like catch up with work and sometimes just like had no money or even more debt. People were just humanly quite tired after all this. And that was also like a reality in the community sector. Something that I've perceived is that people became 
discouraged in this kind of perverse way that, you know, it took so much and so many months of striking for the student movement to get what was maybe a tuition freeze, maybe not even. And so people in the community sector were telling themselves we have nowhere near this kind of energy to organize months and months and months of social disruption, especially if all we're going to get is, you know, just a little bit of something. And obviously that's a very pessimistic view. An effect of the strike is that people started thinking that you needed to organize something huge in order to get even a little bit in terms of social gains or just preventing the further destruction of the welfare state. So, yeah, there, there was like this period of demobilization from maybe the end of 2012 up until right now, coinciding more or less with the PQ's mandate. And I think people are now starting to reflect on what was realistic to try and like accomplish during that time of demobilization and what could we have done or not done. In any case, it's fun to be back into the swing of things. And I think part of that is that, sadly enough, we're back to having a liberal government in Quebec ever since elections earlier in 2014. And they're forming a majority government. They can make whatever decision they want as a party. And they're starting to make noises like, you know, we're going to put an end to the $7 a daycare thing. And we're going to, you know, revise a lot of programs or we might cut some programs. They're making a lot of noises which are going definitely the wrong direction. They're talking about cutting the welfare state even further, which they've started to do. So that mobilizes people and people want to come out to demonstrations after that. And, you know, there was a big demonstration on Halloween in 2014, which was the biggest demonstration the coalition's ever organized. So, you know, we're back into it. <laughs> we're back into construction of a broadening movement. The Halloween demonstration drew about like something between 30 and 50,000 people. It's a very big demonstration, especially considering that there haven't been many, at least in the last year, on that scale. The demonstration had a few core demands. The coalition puts forward a bunch of alternatives to austerity measures, which involve, for example, like taxing the rich or banks or large corporations more in order for the state to have more money to put into social programs or public services like, you know, hospitals, schools, that kind of stuff. Those were some of the core demands that the coalition was putting forward in this demonstration. Instead of all these austerity measures, which you're announcing you're going to introduce, maybe try and not do that and instead like go and get some money where there is money, right? Like in the pockets of the ruling class. That was the sort of gist of it. It was a demonstration against austerity. The message that we were trying to send with that demonstration is like, we're not even interested in talking about what those cuts are going to look like. So don't even think about it, right? So I understand that the expectation is that, you know, they're going to make these announcements in December and that there will be a building of mobilization by the coalition and by other grassroots folks in Quebec. So tell me what you expect that's going to look like over the coming months. A lot of the student unions have been mobilizing towards strikes of various intensities in the spring. So like next semester, basically. At the coalition, we're working towards organizing some of those smaller scale, more disruptive actions that I was talking about earlier. Could be a blockade of this or a demonstration, uh, which ends up supporting like an occupation of whatever office, you know, that kind of action. And at the same time, unions in the public sector in Quebec are currently in negotiations. I don't know if this is the case in other provinces in Canada, but there's a pattern bargaining system in the public sector unions where everyone in the public sector's contracts end at the same point in time. So like, the end of next March, 2015. And so after that, public sector unions are in a position to strike. They've been negotiating, presenting their demands. Some unions have already submitted them to the government, that kind of stuff. We're in a situation where like the coalition is going to organize maybe another large demonstration in the spring. And in the meanwhile, some more disruptive actions. Student unions are mobilizing towards strikes in the spring and unions could strike in the spring if they wanted to or felt the need. 
it's a little uncertain right now what's going to happen. It'll kind of depend on what the government announces or how fast they go ahead with austerity measures and how harshly they negotiate with the public sector unions. But we're definitely in a position where in the upcoming months, we could build a very strong movement towards uh, could be like a general strike in the spring. At least some people are talking about it. So that's kind of where we're at right now. We know that there's a lot of potential, but I think what will end up happening will depend on a few things like how strongly student unions are able to mobilize their folks, how harshly the government negotiates with the public sector unions. Like if they really piss them off, then that could be kind of a game changer. And what kind of measures the government announces in general, right? If they decide to go really strong, really fast and, you know, announce cuts to many different social programs or many different public services, well, that could end up being an explosive combination. But those are a lot of ingredients. So, you know, we'll see what kind of what kind of cake it makes. In the community sector as well, which is the world that I work in, it's worth specifying that a lot of community groups in Quebec get state funding, unlike in the rest of Canada, where it's mostly foundation funding or United Way or basically charitable funding. A lot of community groups in Quebec get state funding with some strings attached, but not a whole lot. And so that funding is drying up. It hasn't increased in many, many years. People are starting to get laid off, that kind of stuff. So people in the community sector are also really pissed just on the level of like there's not enough state funding. And so people are also talking in the community sector about rolling strikes or one day strikes or stopping the services that people give. Some of those services are like, well, I said services, but it could be like working with people who are on welfare, for example, um, defending their rights, helping them contest a decision, which is a negative decision when they apply for welfare. So like one thing that people are discussing doing is referring all the people who come to community groups just straight to the government to put the pressure on them. The gist of it is that in the community sector, there's also a lot of grumbling and talk of striking amongst people who see their funding drying up and not being increased at the same time as the government is passing on a lot of work towards these community groups. And, you know, an example of that is the government won't help people fill out the welfare forms anymore. They just refer them to community groups. And at the same time, they're not giving us any more funding. So, you know, unions are in a position to strike maybe next year. Student unions are working towards it. Community groups are squeezed between a rock and a hard place. And that could be an interesting combination of things in terms of building a general strike or building some sort of larger movement in the spring. Tell me a bit more about how organizations that are members of the coalition mobilize their members. And I'm not thinking particularly of the student side, but more the community side. A lot of what we do is what we call popular education, going around to different groups and organizing des formations, kind of like trainings or open discussions where we talk about what is austerity, what can we do to make sure that austerity measures don't get introduced, what do folks think about going to this demonstration. It's a very participative process where we get people to understand the need for demonstrations in the current context. There are a ton of different types of groups, and so they have different specific practices. And, you know, sometimes if you're working with people who live in your community group's house, well, it's kind of obvious how to mobilize them. And in other cases, they build on the various maybe local campaigns that they have. Tell me about how the coalition makes decisions. The coalition strives towards a democratic functioning. That means that we'll often have like general assemblies, maybe once every two months, general assemblies of the member organizations of this coalition. All the members of the coalition are organizations or even federations of organizations. So we kind of like meet at the top once every two months. And in between those meetings, in our various organizations, we'll cook up propositions for what the coalition could do. So, for example, in my group, I would tell my members, OK, think about what you would like the coalition to do. Think about what kind of proposals we could bring to them in the meeting next month. 
people will then talk about that with their members and then we'll talk about it in our meetings and then eventually we'll also bring those proposals to the top. The principle is that the proposals come from the bottom and then they move towards the top of the structure instead of coming from the top and then filtering down. That's how it works in principle. In practice, sometimes there's some decisions that are made at the top, like, okay, well, we're, you know, that, that demonstration that people wanted to have, we're going to do it this specific day. And if that doesn't work for your group, well, that kind of sucks. But most of the broad direction decisions come from the bottom and get brought to the top. And then the details are often figured out in the committees of the coalition. For example, the dates of demonstrations or what a demonstration is going to look like or that kind of stuff. You talked a little bit earlier about that the big union federations and the big student federations aren't members of your coalition. Now, obviously, this is something that you need to be careful in how you talk about it, but tell me what you can about how that separation might be relevant to the coming mobilization against austerity in Quebec. Well, it's worth specifying some larger unions are members of the coalition. It's the main three that aren't. So that's CSN, FTQ, and CSQ, for those who are familiar. It's the biggest union federation in Quebec, the biggest public sector union federation, and then the biggest education sector union federation. They're the three big players and they're not members of the coalition. And there are two big student federations that aren't members of the coalition, but SA is. And I think at this point it is the biggest, and if it's not the biggest, then the most active student federation or student union out there. So it's not that cut and dry. There are some larger unions that are members of the coalition and some who are just not members of the coalition. But the way that it's playing out right now is that there are lines of communication. We're talking with people from the unions. For example, we'll hold meetings where they invite different groups who are members of the coalition and groups who are not to talk about what kind of mobilization they want to organize. The result of that right now is that there was that demonstration on Halloween, but then there's another one that's organized by the major unions on November 29th. And as I uh, said in the introduction, this interview was recorded before that date, but that demonstration did in fact take place and tens of thousands of people filled the streets in Montreal and Quebec City. That creates an interesting situation where the coalition is organizing big demonstrations on the one hand and this ad hoc coalition around uh, the major unions is organizing other demonstrations and well, that could go kind of many ways, right? Like on the one hand, you could have to use an overused word like synergy between these different campaigns. If we end up organizing demonstrations on regular intervals, that means that like there are just more people organizing. It's great. And the sort of rhythm is set up. On the other hand, they might confuse people. They might be like, didn't we do the same thing like a month ago? You know, people who are at the base who don't know about the reasons why the major unions aren't members of the coalition or who might not make the distinction especially since we're both talking about austerity measures right now. Some of the differences there, some of the reasons why the unions aren't members of the coalition like have to do with demands, for example. I think they're not willing to go quite as far as the coalition is going. That's not to say that the coalition is super radical and like demanding the nationalization of everything and all that. But, you know, I think they're not willing to push the envelope too far, for example, on like taxing the rich they more have a discourse of, well, maybe the government shouldn't try and balance the budget this year, but like next year, do you see the difference? They have a bit more moderate demands, and I think that's part of why they don't want to be members of the coalition, but that's not to say that they don't support what the coalition does. They encourage their members to come to the demonstration on Halloween. So, you know, we're loosely working together right now, and that's maybe even a better situation than there has been in the past. And that could lead to an interesting situation, at least right now. You know, we have two major demonstrations one month apart. That's pretty good. I haven't seen that in a couple of years. 
In reference to all of this mobilization, to the upcoming amping up of the struggle against austerity in Quebec, what kind of attention and what kind of solidarity would be useful from outside of Quebec to those struggles? People would ask this kind of question a lot during or after the student strike at Quebec. The answer that I think I liked the most that we'd figured out was, well, it's not just about what can you do in solidarity with folks in Quebec. It's also build social movements where you're at. That's going to be the strongest thing you can do. Something that's worth keeping in mind is that the government in Quebec often says Quebec has more generous social programs than anywhere else in Canada. You know, we can scale that down a little bit and go to the Canadian average. You know, we can increase tuition fees to the Canadian average. And so the neoliberals in Quebec are very keen on comparing Quebec to the rest of Canada or to other provinces and saying, you know, we don't have to be quite as generous or we don't have to have this good of a welfare state or whatever. And so an important message that I think could come from the rest of Canada is that people aren't necessarily satisfied with, for example, having really, really expensive daycares or with having really expensive tuition fees. It's not as if that was a satisfactory situation in the rest of Canada, at least not to my knowledge. So that's an interesting message that could come, for instance, from unions or from different activist groups or community groups in the rest of Canada is to say, if you want to like scale down the welfare state and go back to the Canadian average, that'll also create problems. And that's not an acceptable situation for us, and for example, in Ontario or in BC. So I think that's all the questions that I have. Is there anything else that you think is important that we haven't touched on yet? Maybe just if people are interested about the springtime demonstrations or springtime like campaigns. There's a committee that's been formed in Montreal and possibly other cities, which is working towards that on an autonomous basis, in the sense that like it's not an official initiative of any of the coalitions or unions. And in French, it's called Le Comité Printemps 2015, the Spring 2015 Committee. There's interesting information on their website, like, for example, during the latest student strike, you know, there was a strike counter of the number of students on strike. I think it was 80,000 in the end. So there's interesting information there and interesting updates about what's going on on a less official organization-y kind of basis, on a more grassroots activist basis. We've been talking a lot about what goes on officially, but I think when social movements are strongest in Quebec, it's when there's a combination of a strong backbone of organizing that's done by big organizations with lots of members, joined up with people who are organizing stuff on an independent grassroots, you could say autonomous basis. That was the recipe for social movement success during the 2012 strike, I think. People didn't limit themselves to the organizations and what they were doing. So we've been talking a lot about the official stuff today, but people should go check out the 2015 Spring Committee to see what's going on on that level as well. I'm not involved in that, but I think it's also interesting to look into. You have been listening to my interview with Joelle Pedneau. We have been speaking about Quebec's Red Hand Coalition, which is one of a number of formations in the province which have already begun to resist the Liberal government's new attempts to impose cuts, privatization, and other austerity measures. To learn more about their work, go to nonosos.org. That's N-O-N-A-U-X-H-A-U-S-S-E-S dot org. To find out more about Talking Radical Radio, the guests, the theme music, and the ways that you can listen, or to make suggestions about topics for future shows, go to talkingradical.ca and click on the link marked radio. That's talkingradical.ca. I'm your host, Scott Nye, a writer and media producer based in Sudbury, Ontario, and the author of two books of Canadian history told through the stories of activists, Gender and Sexuality, and Resisting the State, both from Fernwood Publishing. Thank you very much for listening, and I hope you tune in again next week. Thanks.